Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Last week, the CDC blew up any credibility that they may have had left by voting to add coronavirus vaccines to the Federal Vaccine for Children's program. What this means is that any school district, private school or daycare center or this type of thing that uses the CDC guidelines for the vaccination of kids may now require that children five years of age or older get the vaccine, uh, the COVID vaccines and boosters or not be allowed to go to school or daycare. Now, in a series of articles from the Daily Wire, they report that responding to the news that the CDC voted unanimously 15 to 0 to add coronavirus vaccines to the federal vaccines for children's program, former Fox News host and current podcaster Megan Kelly furiously slammed them. The Vaccines for Children program is meant to aid disadvantaged children to obtain vaccines. They're a joke, she fired. They're disgraced. They have disgraced themselves. And I would never put the well-being of my family in the hands, um, in their hands. And you shouldn't either. She also went on to say that state laws establish vaccination requirements for children. The CDC explains on its website that these laws often apply not only to children attending public school, but also to those attending private schools and daycare facilities. All states provide medical exemptions, and some state laws also offer exemptions for religious or uh, psych- uh, uh, the psychological reasons. But the CDC also referred to practices suggested in the literature to reduce non-medical exemptions. So they don't want you to. They don't, they're, they're, they're trying to get you to, to limit those ex- exemptions as states, um, including states. Uh, they, they want to have states uh, strengthen the rigor of the application process, um, the frequency of submission and enforcement. They want it to, to heighten and strengthen the enforcement of this kind of thing. Uh, and even more in-depth discussion with hesitant parents, they say, and establishing vaccination as a default. So these are the things that they're pushing The CDC made it clear it wanted higher rates of vaccination coverage, arguing that vaccination requirements that that reach more children through a broad range of facilities that have more requirements for uh, receiving an exemption. So that um, that require parental documentation for exemption requests. So again, they want to make it harder for this type of thing to happen and that they are implemented with strong enforcement and monitoring, and that may help promote higher rates of vaccination coverage. (sighs) Megan Kelly stated it correctly when she said, you can't trust the American health services. They have only one mission, which is to push their vaccines on us. Now, just as this is happening, it's kind of interesting that simultaneously Pfizer is planning to quadruple the price 
of its COVID vaccine as the federal government's program to purchase the doses comes to a close, according to a report from Reuters. Uh, Pfizer President Angela Lincoln uh, announced on Thursday that the uh, pharmaceutical giant will charge between $110 and $130 per dose, although the treatment will be available at no cost to Americans with private or government insurance. Now, Luckin uh, said that the private sector will not begin handling vaccine purchases until next year at the earliest. I mean, that's only a few months away, right? Uh, depend, and it's, it's dependent upon the um, the the depletion of the current government supply. Now, the United States has purchased hundreds of millions of vaccine doses from Pfizer, which partnered with BioNTech to uh, manufacture the product. And in one recent deal, the federal government bought 105 million doses and that added up to 3.2 billion with a B dollars, implying the, the cost of slightly more than about $30 a dose. Now, Pfizer said that the market uh, for COVID vaccines will be a, as large as the market for flu shots for adults, although more time will be necessary for businesses to grow in the uh, pandemic market. Uh, now, it's kind of interesting that they would say that it's that they're hoping it's going to be kind of like the flu because there was a lot of people that got got in kind of some trouble especially on social media for saying that covid was similar to the flu in some ways now pfizer ceo albert boyla uh, said that he hopes covid will be controlled as he put it by an annual vaccinations and pills for individuals who contract the virus. Now, he said, quote, we will have perfectly normal lives with just injection, maybe once a year, and the pill in the case where um, we are sick, um, and then we'll make it more like like flu-like rather than life-threatening disease. Now, Bola remarked, uh, remarked uh, during a recent interview, adding that two doses of the vaccine offers very limited protection if any so again why why would we want to get that this particular dose then right while the centers for disease control and prevention is recommending anyone above age five get boost booster shots stephanie um benchel begs to differ even though his company stands to continue um profiting off of the mRNA vaccine, it's it's best to think of the booster as uh, annual flu shots, he said. Quote, I think it's going to be like the flu shot. Um, he said it, it to investigators on Monday uh, in, in comments to the Daily Mail. Quote, if you're a 25-year-old, do you need an annual booster every year if you're healthy? I mean, this, this is coming from... <laughs> from the the CEO himself, quote, you might want to, but I think it's going to be similar to flu, where it's going to be people at high risk, people above 50 years of age, people with uh, comorbidities, uh, people with cancer and other conditions, people with transplants, he said. Now, Pfizer president of international development markets, Janine Small, as this podcast um, actually uh, covered, 
confessed during testimony before the European uh, Parliament that her company never tested its vaccine to determine whether it stopped transmission. She added that no such tests were conducted because the world was facing a pressing health crisis and insisted that the vaccine, which Pfizer believed protects people from getting COVID or reduces mortality for those that that, uh, contract the virus, had to be made quickly available, is what she said. Quote, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. That's what Small said. Let me repeat that to you one more time so that it can kind of sink in. Quote, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Okay, stop right there. So basically, the market was what was determining their decisions. Then, as she goes on and says, and from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. So she's taking the risk. She's She's saying there's definitely risk here. So my question then is, why was it being mandated in many cases? If there's risk, then there has to be choice. As of last year, British nonprofit uh, Oxfam America found that Pfizer and Moderna had been charging governments as much as $41 billion above the estimated cost of production since the shots can be you know, reportedly be produced for as little as $1.20 per dose. Now, backlash has really begun now that the, the medical experts, as they like to call themselves, uh, or in the case of Dr. Fauci, he calls himself science, have sold out many, you know, really any credibility that they still had for what? Political power and money. Dr. Marty uh, uh, McCarty, he is of, of John Hopkins University. He slammed the CDC advisory panel that voted to add coronavirus vaccines to the child immunization schedule, asserting that the the public's skepticism could lead them to reject the the uh, inoculating um, their their children against measles or mumps or rubella or or polio even. Quote: This decision by the CDC doc is not binding, though we saw during the pandemic there were a lot of states that were very quick to adopt CDC recommendations. Now, this came uh, as, a, as a quote from John Roberts. He's uh, a Fox News host, and he was pointing this out that uh, he, he said, the quote, we saw the same thing with school policy. The CDC argued they didn't close schools. They just sent out guidance, right? They weren't the one closing schools. We just sent out guidance saying that you should close schools. But of course, the local authorities will often blindly follow whatever the CDC does. Really? (laughs) And if the CDC is truly putting this on the vaccination schedule, as they just voted to do, this will be the first ever vaccine where there's no evidence to show a reduction in disease in the community. That came directly, that was a response directly from from Mark um, from Macari. Now he then turned to the possible impact on other vaccines. So quote, so that's not a very good milestone. 
it threatens the credibility of MMR and polio and many other vaccines for which it's taken 50 years to build public trust, he said. Robert cited the UCSF professor, Dr. Vinay uh, Prasad, warning before the vote by the advisory council this, quote, it will be a, a catastrophic error if they add it. They will do more in a single day to erode uh, routine vaccination than 25 years of devoted um, the, uh, irrational movement. You have to have persuasive, um, as, a, as, as a scientist, um, the, the MMR shots are more important than COVID-19 shots for kids in competence, he tweeted. So right now, parents are asking, where is the clinical data to support this vac- vaccine in young, healthy children? For, for the, the new Omicron vaccine, which is the current vaccine that is, that is being recommended, the human trials were never made public. Instead, Pfizer gave a, you know, and, and Moderna at the top line announcement in a, in a press release, and, and the underlying data is, is top, it, it's top secret. And Dr. Califf at the FDA, and, and of course, and White House COVID-19 response coordinator, uh, Dr. Ja at the White House and CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, well, shame on them. That data should be made public and public information. I asked if the White House, the FDA, the CDC were, were following the science or just blindly pushing out recommendations. Quote, this is from uh, McCary, quote, there's sort of uh, indiscriminate vaccine uh, vaccine enthusiasm where all vaccines are good. And the reality is the risk-benefit ratio changes with age. So it, it matters who you are and what your age is, whether or not they're good or not. And he continues, and when you talk about young, healthy people, especially young, healthy men, you've got basically a risk of myocarditis in one in 5,000 and one in all the way from one in 5,000 to one in 10,000 people who get it. And when you're talking about 50 million children, you're talking about thousands of kids that could be dealing with myocarditis. Now, Mark Carey also uh, referenced a study put out by the New England Journal of Medicine where he said, quote, and the Israeli study in the New England Journal of Medicine said that one out of 283 cases they've studied demonstrated an ICU stay. Yeah, one out of 283 cases they studied demonstrated an ICU stay and subsequent death, he said. So here's he's quoting I'm quoting him so there will be unintended harm from a broad adoption without showing clinical benefit unquote you see those that took the vaccine have been just guinea pigs for well you know ever since that they they came out with these things because there there is no long term studies there can't there couldn't have been any long term studies because we haven't had this long term right so how do you have long term studies i mean you know it's now that there's been more time that's passed 
there are some scary things that are starting to develop. Megan Kelly uh, thundered an attack on the CDC recently saying, quote, scary number of kids are dying after taking the COVID vax from myocarditis, among other injuries. She, she was quoted by uh, adding, how dare the CDC add this to its list of school vaccinations? Don't listen. Be very careful with your teenage boys in particular, but girls too. These are not honest brokers. This is dangerous, she says. Now, Kelly stated last week, uh, in the beginning, I thought the vaccine was a miracle. The first version of the vaccine seemed like the best one, but there was some measure of protection against the spread of COVID. She goes on to say that the COVID outreach or overreach really upset me. The longer it went down, the thing that made me the maddest, I've been particularly in the last two years, was the the shaming of parents who wanted the masks off their kids. Quote, the reason those kids don't have masks out there in the schools right now, it's, it's the parents, she said approvingly. That stuff fires me up. When the weak or the vulnerable or the smallest among us can't fight for themselves, the kid thing was really annoying. So you had people like president of the Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten, saying, they're resilient and they don't complain. They're little. They don't know how to give voice to this stuff. I mean, this is Randy Weingarten and, and, and she is the enemy of children, unquote. Well, speaking of a possible invest, investigation led by the House Republican majority, um, if, if the party wins, of course, back the House, which it looks very likely at this point, Kelly noted that the cover-up by the national health officials, you know, that, that it, it's, it's going to happen. They're, they're going to look into what the hell went wrong, she said, with the CDC and the NIH. How did they become such a huge behemoth godlike institution and institutions in the eyes of the media and the liberals? Um, and, and they, the, the liberals there, they were the science and they could not be questioned. So that type of thing, again, if, it, if, if things go the way that, that it looks like in, in this coming election, uh, there could be definitely some investigation into that kind of thing. Now, the vaccines and the information about the damage that the vaccines are doing versus their you know, effic- efficiency is, is dark, Kelly asserted. Why is it being buried? Why can't we talk about it? You can't trust the American health services. They have only one mission, which is to push their vaccines on us, is what she said. Now, referencing friends of hers, Kelly recalled uh, that that she, um, some friends of hers had, had a, a son, it was a 17-year-old son, who just simply suddenly died of a heart attack. He was nothing, he was fully healthy, Everything was fine, no, uh, you know, comorbidities or anything like that, and and just simply dropped dead of my, uh, myocarditis. It's it, it, it's happening more and more, and there's we, we see numerous accounts now of this happening all over the world. But the, but there is good news. Republican governors throughout the nation are rushing to assure parents that young children will not be required to get COVID vaccines, despite the CDC decision to put the jab on the list of immunization recommendations for school children. Now, mixed signals, panic, and anger 
followed last week's, you know, unanimous decision by the CDC's advisory committee on immunization practices to advise the CDC to add the COVID vaccine to the recommended immunization schedule for people, including children as young as six months. That's what they said. Now, while some states have adopted the federal recommendations through their own uh, state and local health agencies, they retain the right to determine what vaccines are required for school children. Quote, COVID-19 mandates should be in our rearview mirror. This comes from Virginia Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin, who was elected, of course, about a year ago on a, a wave of parental activism. And he said in a statement, he said, quote, the decision to vaccinate a child against COVID-19 is for Virginia parents to make to make about what's best for them and their family. We will not adhere to these CDC mandates. In Virginia, parents matter. And I mean, how, how nice would it be to have a governor just like that? Uh, the CDC is widely expected to affirm the panel's recommendation and put the COVID vaccination on the schedule with other vaccines that have been thoroughly tested in a in wide use for decades. Youngkin is one of at least 20 governors who have spoken out in recent days to assure worried parents that the vac- COVID vaccine, which the CDC already recommends for children as young as five, will not become a requirement for attending public school. Now, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, whose state bucked the um, the, the, the crippling pandemic shutdowns and who has been a vocal opponent of masks and vaccine mandates, uh, likewise assured his constituents that uh, COVID jabs will not be mandatory. Quote, I know a lot of parents are concerned about that because... If that's on the immunization schedule, the fear is that schools could potentially mandate their child to get a COVID shot, even if that's not something that you want to do, DeSantis said. So I just want to let everybody be clear. You know, as long as I'm around and as long as I'm kicking and screaming, there will be no COVID shot mandates for your kids. That is your decision to make. As a parent, wow! Here's a politician that's actually acknowledging that the decision for your kids is put in the responsibility of, of that decision should be in the hands of parents. One example of a vaccine being added to the recommended recommended schedule, but not being widely adopted by states, is the HPV vaccine. Although it was added to the schedule in 2006, only Rhode Island and Washington D.C. require it for school age boys and girls, and Virginia requires it for girls. So, really, that, here's here's a situation where, you know what, there, it's it's not um, it's not a foregone conclusion that that, that all of this is going to happen. Just you know, you know, all around the whole United States, it looks like the trend is going to be bucked, just like the one was uh, for the HPV. Um, moving here to South Dakota, Governor Christy uh, Noam said no mandatory uh, COVID vaccines will be coming to her state uh, and uh, and her state's public schools. She says, as a mother and a grandmother, I will not allow this government to um, uh, overreach into our family's personal decisions. She tweeted, as a governor, I will do everything in my power to fight against this for our kids. 
So, so you think that that we would we we would have learned from our mistakes with how COVID began, but you'd be wrong if you thought that. Because here's a question for you: Can you guess where this potential scandal occurred based on the following clues? A U.S. government-funded lab, potentially unauthorized experiments creating deadly hybrid COVID strains. Uh, denial of gain-of-function research, and ties to EcoHealth Alliance, and cries, of course, of disinformation. So if you if you put all those clues together, where would you think that this was uh, happening? Well, that story didn't happen in Wuhan, China recently. It allegedly happened right here in the United States, specifically in Boston, Massachusetts, within the last year. Last Friday, Boston University National Emerging Infectious Disease Laboratories released data claiming that it had combined the original strain of COVID with the Omicron variant, resulting in a new strain of COVID that kills 80% of mice in a trial. It killed 80% of the mice that it was tried on. Now, the new strain, while less deadly to mice than the original, is more deadly than the Omicron variant, according to the Boston University research. The lab denies that it was conducting controversial gain-of-function experiments. (laughs) Quote, first, this research is not gain-of-function research, meaning it did not amplify the Washington State SARS-CoV-2 virus strain, which, of course, was the original virus from 2020 or make it more dangerous. This is what Boston University said in a statement after the media reported the findings on Monday. Now, it said, quote, In fact, this research made the virus replicate less dangerous, the university claimed. So why was this research necessary at all? Well, Boston University claims that it is to fight against future pandemics. But the National Institute of uh, Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the NIAID, maintains that the lab was not fully transparent when it applied for approval for the funds, of course. Uh, Emily Airbillindy, director of the NIAID's Division of Microbiology and Infectious Diseases, said that the Boston University team's Original grant applications did not specify that the scientists wanted to do this piece of work. This was reported uh, in Stats, uh, a media outlet that focuses on health and medicine and life sciences and that type of thing. Quote, nor did the group make clear that it was doing experiments that might involve enhancing a pathogen of pandemic potential in the pro- in the process um, that it reports to the NIA. ID. In fact, uh, Aaron Belladin uh, claims that the NIAID only found out about the study through media reports. Wow, what kind of oversight do they have if they are actually only finding out about this through the media, right? Uh, in reaction to um, Austin University's denial uh, uh, of improperly doing this, uh, the Richard M. Bright, the Board of Governors Professor of Chemistry and, and Chemical Biology uh, at, at uh, uh, Rutgers University and Laboratory Director at the uh, Wach 
Waxman Institute of Microbiology said that that such a defense was false. And this is what he said. He said the claims in, in BU's public statement that the research is not gain-of-function research, it did not make it more dangerous, in other words, and that this research made the virus replicate less dangerous are demonstrably false and should be deeply embarrassing. So again, they're just they're just lying. They're just flat out lying to us um, because of of their uh, allergy. Um, allegedly, did not clear the research with with NIAID. The college and the researchers really cannot say whether or not this is gain of function function research. I mean, obviously it is. What they're saying is because it didn't get more dangerous than the original. Yeah, it got more dangerous than Omicron, but it didn't get more dangerous than the original. So it's not gain of function research. Yes, it is gain of function research. And they, and even the EcoHealth Alliance who has ties to this gave them a million dollars for this. Oh, it's just, it, it, you You go back and forth and back and forth. And these guys are making, what what they're doing is they're, is they're losing all credibility. Uh, here's, here's the, the, uh, here's a quote from, from one, one biologist. She says, I'm very tired of people suggesting that uh, virologists and NIAID are reckless or don't care about biosafety. Well, in response, Embright tweeted, people will stop suggesting virologists and NIAID are reckless or don't care about the, the biosafety only when virologists and NIAID stop being reckless and start caring about biosafety, which, of course, they don't. And this is, this is why the medical community has little to no credibility left, and it is entirely their own making. They have done this to themselves and people don't trust them. And this is why, because they sold their credibility out for political power and money. Now you may agree with that. You may disagree with that. I would definitely love to hear from you and make this a starting point for a discussion. You can always do that, of course, at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite.